This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. Nice to see you. Welcome in. It is the Blockbuster Film School. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! That's right. You're here. You're excited. Calm down. Stop clapping in your car. You're driving your car while you're listening. Stop clapping. I am your professor and gym teacher, Mr. Alexander Howard Bonner, joined, as always, by the headmaster and chef here at the Blockbuster Film School, Nicholas Shuttlesworth. Souder. Nice to see you, Nick. Told you that's not my fake name. Um, <laughs> you know, we don't offer PE in here anymore. Who, well, who I don't want to talk about my quote unquote possible crimes. Listen, I'm just saying if you don't want to play dodgeball and get hit in the face as hard as I can throw the dodgeball, then you shouldn't go to kindergarten. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> that could have gone so much less worse. <laughs> Oh, it's assault because I hit a five-year-old with a dodgeball point blank in the face. Oh, is there no more competitive spirit in this country? Anyway, welcome into the Blockbuster Film School, everybody. It's time to talk about movies and it's time to talk about one of the greatest living and possibly, I would say, in the pantheon of greatest actors in the history of Hollywood. Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> we'll get to him years from now. Yes. It's a very important piece. It'll be, it'll be when we can afford to get Bronson Pinchot on the show. Oh, my, my. Bronson, if you're listening, you come on. You are the next episode. If yeah. you appear. Any, this, is a, this is a shout to anyone. If you have any film credits and you want to be on Blockbuster Film School, you are the next episode. That's happening. Yeah, but it doesn't matter who it is. They have to do Bronson Pinchot's yeah, character from Beverly Hills Cop the whole episode. Get so the fuck better, out of here. It's better if we just get him. Yeah, that's true. That is but true. Although I would love to see Laurel Linney. Cousin, what's his face? Uh, <laughs> what is he doing? Uh, he, obviously nothing. We can't think of his name. Hey, children, that is a reference from 35 yeah. years ago. Mark David Chapman, that's yes. who you're thinking of. <laughs> no, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck Mark David Chapman. He had little people he claimed lived in his walls and told him what to do. What an asshole. Anyways. Like people who live in a clock or? Like literally like little people like the Lilliputians who are like, you're the coolest, Mark, but also you need to kill John Lennon. That's the weirdest, lamest reason to kill John Lennon. Yeah. Okay. It's time because with that intro, it is time to do Mr. Denzel Washington. (laughs) Yes, that's right. You love him. We love him. But if he is your partner on the Los Angeles Police Department. You're dead. You You are so dead. You should probably get ready. Your day is going to suck. All right. So. We're going to go into Mr. Denzel. I think we can, at this point, is he one of those guys where he could ostensibly just drop the last part of his name? Like, yeah, pretty much. Become Denzel. I don't if you say Denzel, people think you're thinking about one thing. Yes. And then if you explain to them it's something else, they stop listening. They're like, what are you, what are you, who are you? you can be talking about somebody's son whose name is Denzel. <laughs> Their own Their son. Their own kid. <laughs> just like, oh, wait, I see him all day. Yeah, Talk about the guy for virtuosity. I don't know what you're also, he is a junior. Denzel Washington Jr., Denzel Hayes Washington Jr., born December 28th, 1954. Sagittarius. It's weird. My middle name is Smog. 
Hmm, interesting. Like the dragon that sits on top of all that gold in Lord of the Rings? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> all right, so. Is he Swiss? He is, I don't know what goes on in Middle Earth in terms of where the countries are now, but we can dig up Tolkien's grave and <laughs> yell at it for a while. Okay, so Nick, we're going to start with our usual Alex. gambit. Yes. What is the first Denzel Washington movie you remember watching? So from the same time period, can't figure out which one I saw first. Mm. And one is, wow, that's amazing. And the other one's like, holy shit, that's terrible. So <laughs> A little bit of Denzel's career. Yeah, pretty much. He's <laughs> Eyes a, and We were lows. talking about this before we started recording. <laughs> He's always good in them. He's always good, but half his movies are garbage. They are garbage. He is one to one. He might as well be batting like a thousand. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. He's the most charming, charismatic actor of all time besides like like these other nutballs. But like Denzel Washington, he could soothe a crying baby to sleep for like a week. Dude, I agree with that entirely. The New York Times ranked him as currently the greatest actor of the 21st century. Number one, Denzel Washington. I don't know. Let's just put it. Let's put it the New York Times said this. Yeah. I know, you know, you take it with a grain of salt, but- these are the kind of praise that this guy gets does, in the major yeah. press. Does this mean they weren't including Gary Busey? <laughs> I've, I've, I I mean, I'm saying Denzel's better, but like, right. I feel like it'd be a close second. He does. Well, I mean, Gary has a new career now as a animal judge. Yeah. That's a real show. You can look up Gary Busey, animal judge. Do yourself a favor. That's a thing. Okay, what, so which movie was the first one that you remember? It was either Glory or Ricochet. <laughs> Hopefully it was Ricochet, because mine was Glory. <laughs> I'll go with Ricochet. <laughs> so Ricochet was directed by the dude who made, he directed Highlander, and he also directed oh, shit. Um, the Bugles video Kill the Radio Star. Yes. This uh, guy, I forget his last name. I think it's like Malarkey or something, but it's um, <laughs> it's not, but... His career is kind of amazing. It is Russell Mulcahy. Yeah. Mulcahy. Like I said, Malarkey. Um, yes. No, you're right. I mean, it's he's, yeah. he's an Irish piece of garbage. Ricochet so yeah. is stupid, but it's bananas. Yeah. Also, it's just like kind of a statement on cable news. I don't know. But he plays a cop who's a rookie who captures John Lithgow, who's a serial killer. And then because yeah. it gets caught on camera, he goes from a rookie cop to assistant district attorney in seven years. Hey, look, if you stop John Lithgow and his crimes, I get it because they didn't make Harry a fucking district attorney. (laughs) Listen, I've watched several documentaries, one of them being the movie Cliffhanger and John Lithgow cannot be trusted. That's true. He is way more dangerous than they would have you believe in Third Rock from the Sun. Speaking of being dangerous, in the movie, he'd become the head of the Aryan Brotherhood by <laughs> killing Jesse the Body Ventura in a sword fight in the cafeteria where people taped phone books to their chests. This is what I'm talking about about Denzel. I love Denzel, but he reads these scripts. And that scene is so in down the script, it. and he's like, yes, this is good. There's also <laughs> Ice-T plays a crack producer and distributor. <laughs> oh, well, I mean. And then he shows up at Ice-T's house or apartment where he's making all the shit and Water threatens tea. him. <laughs> and then all these dudes pull guns on him and Denzel just goes, all right, I'm not afraid to die. We'll all go and pulls a grenade out and pulls the pin and just holds it up. This is two minutes of a movie, him threatening to kill everybody with a grenade inside <laughs> a crack den. 
listen, when a movie starts with a suicide bomb, you know you're in. You know you're in for a good movie. And what were you, like six when you watched this? 91. It was on cable in 92. So I was nine. And I literally go, it's the guy from Harry and the Henderson. So I start watching it. I was like, oh, this is very different. I, okay, he's very angry. This is slightly different than I remember with, he ate the corsage. Um, okay. The movie I remember was a little different than that. Uh, it is Glory. Uh, the Zwigoff, Edward Zwick, excuse me, not Zwigoff, is about the Civil War, about um, the Black Regiment in the Civil War in the Union Army. And uh, he won Best Supporting Actor for it. And yeah. I remember him jumping out at me, even as a kid, when I saw it, that uh, he was really good in it. And his character was really interesting. And every time he came on screen, you were like, this guy's cool. Yeah. And I want to watch him do stuff. They uh, showed us glory in grade school. That was like a really nice way. It was like, uh, I guarantee it was like Thanksgiving break week. And the teacher's just like, look. <laughs> hey, man. This movie's three tapes. That takes us to the Wednesday. Then you just go and have Thanksgiving. And uh, when I see you on Monday, I'm going to be super hungover. So we watched Glory for three days. And then that was it. It was just lights off. They bring out the TV on like one of those wheelie things. You know what's crazy about Glory is that Glory, and we'll, you know, we'll get into this of all this stuff. But truly, the more and more I think about it, it's like Glory is one of those movies where for the vast majority of the movie, it is kind of uplifting, right? It's characters coming together, people figuring out things about each other, them figuring out how to win. And then spoiler alert at the end, they all fucking die. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, I don't know if there's (laughs) ever been, it's like if at the end of star Wars, nope, Darth Vader just blows the shit out of Luke's fucking X-Wing. And that's the end of that, which granted, I understand that is more of the actual history of America, but Still absolutely worth a watch still. But it, I honestly will turn it off though. I will turn it off about two hours in because I'm like, oh no, now's the part where it gets all sad and depresses the shit out of me. Yeah, now it's the part where it's everybody's life. Yeah. <laughs> Andre Braher, also. Love him. Yes, yes. A really amazing film. If you've never seen Glory, then do yourself a favor. Ferris Bueller's in that movie? Ferris Bueller's in it. Um, a lot of- uh, Dana Carvey. <laughs> Mike Myers. Anna Gasteyer. <laughs> Wait a minute. Morgan Freeman. Carrie Elways. A lot of Ugh. actors from the time period, particularly. And a lot of younger actors kind of getting their start in that movie. And it would be his first, for Denzel, his first Oscar. But let's get into it just real quick. Our usual thing. As I said, Mr. Denzel Hayes Washington Jr., born December 28th, 1954, in Mount Vernon, New York, His mom ran a salon, beauty parlor, in the parlance of the time. His dad was a minister as well as a Pentecostal minister. It says a little something about some of his characters and kind of the bravado maybe a little bit. And also worked as an employee for a long, long time for the New York City Water Department. And as I was saying, that either means that he was a garbage man connected to the mafia or a very respected architect and engineer. You never know when someone says they work for the New York city water department. who knows, but he grew up middle-class in Mount Vernon, as we said, a little bit of a suburban kid of New York city, but Mount Vernon in the sixties, still kind of rough, still kind of not exactly that easy. When he was 14, his parents divorced. Interestingly enough, after that, his mother sent him to the Oakland Military Academy in New Windsor, New York. And Washington very 
definitively said that that decision, he was against it at the time, but that changed his entire life because I wouldn't have survived, in his words, I wouldn't have survived in that direction because the way I was going, the guys I was hanging out with at the time, my running buddies have now done maybe 40 years combined in the penitentiary. They were nice guys, but the streets ate all of them. So, yeah. They were hockey players. (laughs) He's talking about the penalty box. (laughs) Yes. So he went to military school. Also interesting of... That comes through. Yeah, yeah, I get that a little bit too. Also, it makes sense why the first movie he directs is Antoine Fisher. Mm, very interesting. After that, he he moved down uh, with his mom to graduate from Mainland High School in Daytona Beach, Florida. So, where wait, where are you from? I am from Chicago, Illinois, but uh, I was born in Florida, and I've lived in Daytona Beach before, and uh, maybe explains a little bit of some of his other characters. <laughs> wait, there are no dirtball, drug-addicted maniac cops in Florida. All right. Anyway, so after that, he ended up going back to New York, though, because he wanted to go back to New York, and he went to Fordham University to get a bachelor's degree in drama and journalism in 1977. He was also a all-conference basketball guard for Fordham when he was there, so nice, pretty good athlete as well. Yeah, I didn't either. But after that... Also explains why he got game. He he genuinely does have game. Yeah. Strong enough to be a collegiate basketball player. That's better than all three of me, you, and Super Producer Brian Tepps, who I did not introduce because I'm an asshole. Sorry, Super Producer Brian Tepps. I've never introduced you. That makes me a bigger <laughs> asshole. But Super Producer Brian Tepps is right now spinning a basketball. He's been doing it the entire time on his finger. It's becoming disconcerting. It's like He's the, also editing out the Harlem Globetrotters theme in the background. He keeps saying, if the ball doesn't fall over, this is a dream. I don't know what that means. Okay, so... When he graduated from Fordham, he decided to stay in New York and really try his hand at acting. And he enrolled at the Lincoln Center, where he then was given roles in Eugene O'Neill's The Emperor Jones and Shakespeare's Othello. And he attended graduate school at the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco, California, which is kind of, we've talked about some people who went to the American Conservatory before, uh, I think Nick Cage and it's basically the West coast Juilliard. Like if you get into the American conservatory in San Francisco, that's a pretty big fucking deal. And he stayed there for one year, but then he went back to New York. He basically was a very successful theater actor. I'm not going to go through all of his theater roles, but from the late seventies into the mid eighties, he was in a bunch of, bunch of shows. He also got his big start where he got a reoccurring role and was one of the few black characters on NBC at primetime, in general, on a show called St. Elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Do you remember St. Elsewhere, Nick? I do. It was like if ER was in the <laughs> 80s and not in Chicago. <laughs> and also ended weird as fuck. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever made it to the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember it being on as a child and watching some of it, and I kind of remember him in it. I remember Howie Mandel was also a character and he was a doctor who kept cleaning his hands <laughs> over and over and over and over and over and over fist bump. Um, so he did that. He started in some movies in the eighties, soldier story, hard lessons, power, any of those jumping out at you, Nick? None. The big one though, was that he starred in Richard Attenborough's cry freedom in which he received an Academy Award Best Supporting Actor nomination in 1987. It was set in 1970s apartheid South Africa 
It's uh, about real life events involving an activist named Steve Biko and his friend Donald Woods who end up basically trying to take on apart the apartheid in South Africa. Have you ever seen Cry Freedom, Nick? Um, uh, I remember seeing parts of it. I know Kevin Klein's in it. Kevin Klein is the other main guy. Yeah. Yeah. It feels good, though. I was surprised that Richard Attenborough directed it. I just found this out. I didn't realize he had directed so many movies. Yeah, dude. Richard Attenborough. The Attenboroughs, both of them, Richard and David Attenborough, were big dogs. They kind of started in British. I mean, this isn't the Attenborough episode, but the amount of BBC credits that they have is they basically like ended up running the BBC. And then England's weirder than America, where if you're the head of the BBC and you just go to the British government and you go, yes. Yes, my lord. And then you kneel down and you go, I would like $3 billion to make a film. They were like, will it support the glory of England? And you go, yes, my lord. Also, it'll have like tigers in it and jellyfish and stuff. Oh, lovely. Here's your money. Like there's a more socialized art in yeah. England. And imagine if the guy from PBS went to like Universal and was like, I would like to get the fuck out of yeah. my office. He wouldn't get in Who there. Who the fuck is this? He wouldn't load on the lot. <laughs> but yes, after that though, we know that Denzel's already working with Richard Rattenborough and some really talented directors. But in 1989, so in 88, he makes Cry Freedom. And in 89, back to Mac, as we just talked about, Edward Zwick, he makes um, Glory and does win the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. So in less than 10 years, he goes from being uh, a prominent side character I'm saying elsewhere to two Oscar nods and a win. So pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, I know he's a very handsome dude, but he is also. He's amazing. He's, yes. He's an amazing actor. And it's crazy. Some actors who come from theater and are very talented don't always translate. No, they're it, just theater actors being filmed. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that he's able to kind of go back and forth, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but. So naturalistic, so able to embody very different characters and create. It's interesting, and we'll talk about him and Tom Hanks, but the comparisons between him and Tom Hanks of that they're always Tom Hanks and they're always Denzel, but they're able to kind of shift their personality a little bit into yeah. something very interesting. They're more that. They're not quite Daniel Day-Lewis where they become these entirely freakishly different personalities than themselves, but it's interesting. I, don't know, I, was gonna, I think St. Elsewhere helped him out a lot too, because that's like doing a TV show, like on that set all the time. That's sort of like doing a play, but then you get used to being in front of a camera. It's so crazy how many also actors come from TV dramas like that. George Clooney just popping into my head. Yeah. And once you come from soap operas, having to do this very dramatic, this kind of hybrid of theater and film where you're playing this very actuated high drama and then, but yes, you have to be a little more subtle for the camera. You have to say the line in that same emote every time. You can't have two hours of buildup to get to there well, like you do, would on a stage play. That is interesting. But yes, so after that, though, everybody kind of knows who Denzel Washington is. He, at that point, he's basically on the verge of being Denzel. Yes, yes. But he's definitely maybe the most up-and-coming actor in Hollywood in 1989. Uh, the same year he appears in a film called The Mighty Quinn, and in For Queen and Country, have you watched either of those movies? For Which one's For Queen and Country? Well, I have never seen either of them, but uh, Queen and Country. No, I didn't see this. They kind of try to get him to do some, like, 
action-y, you know, detective-y kind of stuff. They try to make him into, for lack of a better term, a different take on Tom Selleck or something for a couple of movies. Oh, like a Magnum P.I. kind of character. I don't know. Doesn't really work. Doesn't really work. But it's not long, though, because in 1990, he teams up with one of the people he will work with a lot. And once again, will start a whole other thing, both in his career and in Hollywood. In 1990, Washington starred as Bleak Gilliam in Spike Lee's Mo Better Blues. And if you haven't listened to our Spike Lee episode. You definitely should. You should. What do you think about Mo Better Blues, Nick? It's good. Yeah. He's good. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I hate seeing Spike Lee play characters other than like Mookie. Yeah. And everyone is dressed like Steve Harvey in it. Um, <laughs> and it's not the greatest no. when you go back and watch it again. As we talked about with our Spike Lee thing, Spike Lee for me is a lot like a Robert Altman kind of guy. He learns as he makes movies. There will be movies that are failure, a movie that's less of a failure, a movie that is a masterpiece. He just does that. It's yeah. his thing. It's how he does it. And, and you know, that jumped too far ahead, but he literally follows this up a couple years later with Malcolm X. That's exactly so he definitely what, learns how to use Denzel. It's kind of his next movie, yeah. 1992. It took them a long time to make that movie, and Spike Lee liked Denzel so much. They got along so well artistically that... Spike Lee takes one of his biggest shots and man, did it kind of change the culture. He makes Malcolm X, uh, his performance as the very famous social rights leader, Malcolm X. If you don't know who that is, what, what, what's, what's going on? Um, (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. If you don't know who Malcolm X is, you shouldn't have voted for Trump in the last election. That's very true. Also, you should do a little reading, but just watch Spike Lee and Denzel Washington's Malcolm X. It'll give you a nice little starter point of who this is and what the shit is going on and how culture in America regarded Malcolm X. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Dave Chappelle said that. That is correct. <laughs> and then he said, pay me for Chappelle show. Or yeah. It's not on Netflix. It got him an Academy Award, another nomination for best actor at the Academy Awards. He also established his own production company, Mundyland Entertainment, that year. And then the very, dude, Denzel's killing it. Yeah. The early 90s. Denzel. Like, also, real fast. Yeah. Ricochet was between Mobetta Blues <laughs> and Malcolm X. It doesn't need to be brought up again. Yes. But it's, uh, it's ruined me, so I have to bring it up again. Please feel free to bring up anything that I'm missing in my timeline. Because also, got to say this, Denzel very prolific. And I love him but I don't want the show to be three and a half hours long. No. So I am not going into every last Denzel movie that has ever been made, a la Ricochet. But uh, because we've talked about it this much, I'm going to watch Ricochet again because I also haven't seen it since I rented it from Blockbuster and I want to guess like 93, something like that. Telling you, you don't have a need to rent it or watch it. (laughs) Just go on YouTube, look up John Lithgow's sword fight. (laughs) Wait, okay. I forgot that. He, yeah, that happened. <laughs> also, Jesse Ventura has a tattoo of a skull or a snake on his yes, forehead. Yes, I don't remember. I don't know which one's more racist. <laughs> so it's probably that one. He's, he's, a, he's complaining about, in the 70s, microwaves were made to turn you gay. What? It's almost exact dialogue. <laughs> but the very next year, after Malcolm X, 1992's Malcolm X, the very next year, he is in 
uh, Jonathan Demme's Philadelphia with Tom Hanks, where he plays Tom Hanks's lawyer. And uh, I don't know. I just want to talk about Philadelphia for a second. What do you think about Philadelphia, Nick? It is uh, devastating. It is an exhausting, yes. wonderful experience mm. into just seeing how sad a movie can make you. Even Bruce Springsteen is there to try yeah. and depress the living shit out of you. Yeah. Still less depressing than the song he made for Jerry Maguire. Agreed. Or, yes. Yeah. That is true. But it is, I agree with that entirely. Tom Hanks is amazing in it. Denzel is amazing yeah. in it. Demi, R.I.P., was one of our more underrated directors in the history of cinema, in my mind. Jason Robards, Mary Steenenberg. It's an amazing movie. It's super well-directed. Tak Fujimoto. Yeah. Cinematography. Like, I mean, it looks great, but yeah, I... It's not the movie you rewatch every year when you're like, I could go for a Denzel Washington movie. No. <laughs> I could go for a Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> Let's watch that movie where Tom Hanks dies. Spoiler alert. But yes, yeah, so... Yeah. The two of them doing the best job of, like, hooking you in so hard that, like, as the movie goes on, you're like, Tom Hanks is disappearing from the screen. Yes. I don't want to keep watching this. Yes. And then it just, like, well, I can't stop now. Right. And then also, on top of you have to watch Tom Hanks die, you also have to watch Denzel Washington try and fight against a court system who's like, he's a gay guy who got AIDS. Fuck him. Let him die. And literally that was how the court system regarded people who had AIDS in up until, I don't know, three years ago, five years, possibly still going on. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the levels of sadness, it's like characters you like, yeah. sociopolitical problem. Like it's <laughs> a dog dies in the first scene. <laughs> there was a baby on his back. Yes. So yeah, that was a fun one. But then Denzel has a career in the mid nineties that gets a little more, well, let's say, Pelican-y, because in 1993, he's in one of the stupidest movies ever made, a movie called The Pelican Brief with Julia yeah. Roberts, in which, look, if you've never seen this movie and you want to see a movie about what Hollywood thought computers and the internet were in 1993, and you want to laugh your balls off because it's a lot of people like typing, type, typing, hack into IRS system. I'm in. I'm in the IRS. Like, what are you talking about? That's what they thought was going on. There's that. So. John Grisham. <laughs> John Grisham. John Grisham doesn't know how computers work. He didn't. He, he doesn't know how anything works. You know who didn't know either? Tom Clancy. Mm-mm. Because I don't know if you've seen Clear and Present Danger. The climax of the movie is Harrison Ford trying to get something printed out faster than some nerd across the hall from him. That's the, that's like, <laughs> and then he rips it out before the guy like deletes all the files and he walks up and he goes, you're going to jail. I have a piece of paper. Oh my God. This is why Jeff Bezos was able to take over America was because he knew three things about computers. Yes. And most people, and one of them half of a thing. Yeah. The third, the fourth <laughs> thing was that if you say free shipping, people will pay $8 uh, more for a product than that. if they were paying for shipping. <laughs> Also, I got to toss this out there. Pelican Brief, directed by Alan Pakula. Pak- I think you say Alan Smithy for a second. No, but Alan Pakula was a producer, and he won a Best Picture Oscar for To Kill a Mockingbird. He won Best Director for All the President's Men in 1976. Holy and shit. won Best Adapted Screenplay for Sophie's Choice in 1982. So it's not like that guy didn't know how to make movies. He just didn't know how computers worked either. So... 
Because I would imagine based on that and the time period, he was mostly cigars and a little cocaine. Okay. He got, yeah, he died five years later. So he was a 65-year-old guy directing what was supposed to be, and I'm, you can't see me because of the podcast, we're doing finger quotes, a tight computer thriller <laughs> in 1993. It's like, what the fuck is going on? What am I doing yeah. here? What is this? What is this? Yes, Denzel, you're doing a great job. I don't even know why I'm here. He's like wiping sweat off the entire time. He's just got constantly. a bucket hat on. Oh god, he's dressed like the guy from fucking um, the New Radicals. <laughs> Julia, just keep typing. I don't know. Yeah. Just keep. Oh god, oh god, I'm sweating so much. All right. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, watch the Pelican Brief. It's f- actually, I will say, what's funny about the dumb movies is that the Pelican Brief, though, is in my mind, in certain ways, more watchable than Philadelphia, because. You don't have to watch Tom Hanks die. I would rather watch Tom Hanks die twice. I agree. Yes, entirely. Yeah. Entirely. I mean. After that, though, then he starts in 1995. His career with the director he will work with the most. Yeah. Another RIP. In 1995, him and Gene Hackman make a pretty fun movie that I saw in the theater. Haven't seen it in a little while, so I don't know how well it stands up now. Super producer Brian Tepps, give me the thumbs up. Uh, I would buy that. I liked it in the theater. He works with Tony Scott, who directed the Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer Crimson Tide, which is not about period blood. It is about submarines and Russian Federation in which ultra-nationalists in the Russian Federation threaten to launch nuclear weapons at the United States and Japan. Those filthy Russians... The USSR is gone, and they still want to fuck us up. And I'll tell you something. Denzel and Gene Hackman aren't going to let that happen. They're going to kill those evil Russians. Uh, What do you think about Crimson Tide, Nick? I mean, it's more fun than Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, here's the thing. Yes. The movie, you're not watching this movie for anything other than watch Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington monologue at each other. Absolutely. That's all it is. There was unwritten rewrites for the script by Quentin Tarantino. Yes. And like a lot of those things are very Tarantino-y. Absolutely. And it pays off because mm-hmm. you have two master class. You have the voice of Home Depot <laughs> or Lowe's. Lowe's. Yes. Whatever. I don't buy anything. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> wherever you buy hammers at Where's now. Thrift stores. <laughs> well, true. It's got like half a stick. Yard sales. Um, yard uh, sales. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's just watching two of the greatest actors of all time just have a pissing contest. Absolutely. And supposedly Quentin Tarantino came up with that ending, which I won't spoil, but uh, really kind of changed the ending around. Also, I got to toss this out there, baby Vigo Mortensen and thinner than he ever was before, James Gandolfini. Like both of them really kind of turning it on with weird little character points Vigo being a bad guy I'm a bad guy but uh, Hans Zimmer did the music yeah I'll put it this way because Denzel had made a lot of ostensibly before this things that were Oscar bait they were regarded hugely critical people knew who Denzel was but he had not been in a true big Hollywood movie no and this was Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer who were like this guy. This is the start of Denzel Washington popcorn movie. Yes. Like he's a summer yeah. thing. But like <laughs> I think the Pelican Brief was supposed to be that, but it was just a bunch of jackasses like not figuring out DOS. <laughs> so it's like this is more of his style. Yes. Where it's just like, oh hey, 
Oh, hi. And mm-hmm. then he's fucking go for two you, hours. You are totally right. This is, he was already up there in the upper echelon of acting talent in Hollywood, but this is now Denzel Washington, a plus actor forever. Now part of the pantheon of big time movie stars. He's, I mean, he's in a Tony Scott, Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer movie. Yeah. And it made a lot of money budget on Crimson Tide, $40 million U.S. box office, $175 million. Yeah, yeah it was and, a great movie. And in the mid-90s, that also, was... Also, you can't make movies like that anymore. No. This would be a Netflix release. It really... Listen, yeah. young people. Sorry. <laughs> the edible's wearing off. I'm just getting cranky. <laughs> yes, he would go back after that to be in Much Ado About Nothing, uh, which was directed by Kenneth Branagh. You may have heard. Oh, of. he's my least favorite actor to appear in Christopher <laughs> Nolan movies. He's of when the MCU brought in their big new slew of famous directors. He's the one that they kicked out first from directing any more Marvel movies. This is what you're going to do with Thor. This, this, yeah. this is your idea here. We got this Johnny Depp movie for you to direct. <laughs> um, It had uh, Batman in it. It had Keanu Reeves in it. It had Kate Beckinsale. Uh, I was hyped about this movie. I know. It's got everybody in this movie that I liked as a kid. I was like, how is this going to be bad? And then nobody explained to me yet who Kenneth Branagh was and why his directing was terrible. And this movie feels like they're trying to make a movie that feels like a play, but it doesn't feel like anything. It's Yeah, whenever they would show us those Kenneth Branagh's, I'm, I'm saying it. I mean, I know that the Hamlet looked real good, but man. Like, Hamlet was boring as shit. It was so amazing bad. looking. It was amazing yeah. looking, but it was, man, did it bore the shit out of me. Also, this movie bored the shit out of me. I was like, how's this happening? I know. How on earth is Michael Keaton talking to Denzel Washington and Emma Thompson, and it's boring the shit out of me? How is that possible with <laughs> most are realizing right now how weird of a child i was to be excited about all those people i know but i was also excited about robert sean leonard being in it <laughs> it's like no wonder i didn't have friends until i was 30 i know and i definitely rented it i was like oh yeah i want to rent this also to its testament though it had an 11 million dollar budget and a box office of 50 million so huh? i mean it it made some ca- i mean brano that's why brano's still around is because yeah. his goofy his 90s- Thor movies are stupid i'm assuming i haven't he only seen did one he only did one. Can you do the second one? I don't think so, no. They were like, no. And then that one failed, and then they were like, what if we got someone who was fun to direct these movies that are supposed to be fun? Fun. Interesting. We'll do a Taika Watiti, possibly a contemporaries, although he's starting to get bigger than that. All right, so after that, though, he gets close to another Oscar nod. He got a Gold Globe nomination in 1996. He played a U.S. Army officer. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, what are you missing? Whoa, what are we missing? Oh, please We're slow. do. No, no, we are not skipping. Oh, what do you got? The amazing and absolutely terrible Uh-oh. Russell Crowe vehicle. Oh! That was Virtuosity in 1995. Well, there may be talk a, about, an episode coming soon where we talk about Virtuosity as well. But, yes, yeah. but like... <laughs> Do you not have to get too far into it? Yes. If you thought they got Pelican Brief wrong, <laughs> wait till you see what they get wrong about virtual reality. It's like they got the virtual part wrong, the reality part wrong. They got all of it. It's amazing. It looked like Sega Saturn oh. if they decided to make a fucking movie. <laughs> it does look like a PlayStation 1 game came yeah. to life and 
they didn't have any money to make it. And somehow Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington were in it. Here's the thing, though. Yes. Russell Crowe in this movie. Absolutely fucking terrible. Yes. He goes too over the top. I think he thought he was doing like Jack Nicholson. (laughs) But instead it came off. He was doing Billy Idol in his acting debut. But Denzel Washington is amazing. Yes. He, I mean, he's so good. He's really good in this. And this movie is dog shit. And there are people who really like Russell Crowe in this movie, too, though, because the way he plays the bad guy is. Did they direct Batman v Superman? <laughs> it, I, I will say there were people who said to themselves, mm, this guy. This guy has something. Also, just so you know, the guy who directed it, his name was Brett Leonard. Yeah. And he directed a little movie called The Lawnmower Man as well, which also had bad PS1. Super bad. <laughs> graphics about a, a man, a simple man who is molested by a James Bond and then is given magic brain powers using the power of virtual reality and is basically the same movie, but in reverse, in which a guy is given virtual reality and becomes super intelligent, becomes evil as opposed to someone who's from virtual reality, who then shows up to fight the guy who's not in virtual reality. That's right. This makes this much sense. That's right. That's how much. I mean, you explaining it made better sense than watching it. (laughs) And the, the fucked up part is I didn't realize he directed lawnmower man. I almost brought that up. It's also, it came out three years later and somehow cheesier than Lawnmower Man. True. Although we do have to point out that um, Denzel and Russell Crowe, very good friends and became friends on this movie. They made a couple of movies together. They did. And kind of co-produced a couple of movies together. Yeah. And uh, so that happened. So Virtuosity did make them friends. So that's nice for them. I mean, I watched this, <laughs> I watched this a couple of weeks ago before we like, before I realized we were doing this episode, just because I go, oh, it's on Amazon. I have an hour to kill. Also, 90s Denzel, 90s Russell Crowe, how drunk did they get that they were friends? You know what I'm saying? This is those two in the night. Also, if you don't know any stories about, especially Russell Crowe, but Denzel, not anything evil, but they were the guys who turned, they got so drunk, they turned in Hugh Grant when he was the sex worker. Yes. There's some hilarious ones of Denzel at, parties at golden globes parties where people he's like clearly had five scotches and then people ask him questions and he says kind of hilariously drunk and charming things like i don't know why i do what i do i have no idea you just do stuff you know these kinds of yep that's (laughs) some of denzel's interviews are some of them are transcendently interesting and some of them he's clearly had five scotches yeah i don't know why are you asking me this (laughs) You're right. I'm very glad that you brought up virtuosity because I was going to bring up courage under fire in which he appeared with Meg Ryan and uh, it was him being in the army again. Do you remember courage under fire? Either of you? I remember <laughs> Matt assume, Damon. Someone had courage. Possibly. It was, it was uh, Meg Ryan. Oh yeah. That makes more yeah. sense. And then later it's Matt Damon who weighs 98 pounds mm. in this movie. Oh, and Lou Diamond Phillips. I forgot about that. He's the baddie. He, Spoiler yeah, alert. I know. I love Lou Diamond Phillips, though. He is hilarious. Like, in real you life. You know, his wife left him for <gasps> Melissa Etheridge, and he's, like, still. It. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, like, super cool. But he's on all these cooking shows. Lou Diamond Phillips is, like, an actual 
cool dude. Dude, he used to be on the Joel. Oh boy, talk soup. Yeah, the soup. And he was one of the great guest stars. He would appear all the time and was hilarious. Whenever he would show up, I was like, oh, yes. That's crazy. I had no idea. <laughs> Dude, he's so funny. If you can YouTube Lou Diamond Phillips on the soup, yeah. you, it is. And then YouTube it, Young Guns too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also, Courage to Fire, Edward Zwick again, who directed Glory. So working with him. Interesting. Just a common thing. Denzel normally a testament to the fact that directors like you if they would work with you again and are not like, get the fuck out of here. You're Gary Busey. Two things (laughs) I want to bring up real fast. Yes. Cinematography in this, Roger Deakins. Yes. Bronson Pinchot is in this movie. (laughs) That's not a joke. It's not a joke. I didn't realize that. You finally got there. You finally, and that's it, everybody. That's the end of Blockbuster Film School. It's our last episode. Thank you. You did a great job. Super Ride Taps. I want to thank everybody. Great job. (laughs) That's amazing. That I I I honestly barely remember it. I don't know. I imagine that, it was uh, it was like it was good. Yeah, but it wasn't memorable or rewatchable. It was just like you watch this like this might be bad, and you're like, oh, I don't care, but it's not bad. I know, I know. But uh, the next big movie after that in 1996, a movie I actually do really like and have watched a couple times. Um, Denzel plays the cool version of Ghost Dad. And he is in The Preacher's <laughs> Wife with Whitney Houston. Oh, uh, R.I.P. Whitney. Yes, R.I.P. Whitney. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, Penny Marshall. Yeah. Um, it's a Penny Marshall movie. It's very funny, very touching. It uh, got nominated for a bunch of things. Whitney Houston got nominated for Best Actress. Loretta Devine. Oh, man, she's so good. It got nominated for Best Supporting Actress. It's a pretty wild movie. Do you remember The Preacher's Wife, Nick? I do. Denzel Washington is just straight up goofy. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's being goofy. It's a Disney movie, which I, you know, don't really care about, but it's not bad. No. It's fun. Also, it's like, you know, it's Whitney Houston. It's true. And it's nice to see Denzel for the first time ever in like a really screwball comedy, which is really what it is. And it's a Christmas movie, but... It's truly, in the old Howard Hawks sense, a screwball comedy. It's a bunch of people going in a bunch of different directions, trying to fix everything, trying to save everything. It's, I just recommend it. Yeah. I think it's good. It's basically if it was a sequel to It's a Wonderful Life, but in the end of It's a Wonderful Life, (laughs) he did commit suicide, and then he came back as an angel anyways. He had to earn his wings and shit, and he was just Denzel Washington. (laughs) I would watch that. I mean, it kind of, yeah. yeah. I did. I've watched it many times. Whenever it comes on TV, I'm like, oh, hey, the preacher's wife. You brought this up in the Christmas episode, too. Yes. I still think it's kind of underrated. I still think maybe just kind of inherent racism in America that one of the best Christmas movies has a primarily African-American cast. And so it doesn't get quite the recognition that it probably should. But it's very funny. Very good. Also, stick with me on this. If I'm skipping over anything of Denzel stuff you want to talk about, because I'm kind of clicking along, because in 1998... He teams back up with Spike Lee, a movie I saw in the theater. This is at the height of basketball fever in America, maybe. Michael Jordan's last season. But also, I've always been a big basketball fan, and uh, I was ready for this movie. It is He Got Game, in which Denzel Washington stars as Jake Shuttlesworth, a disgraced former basketball prospect and father who manslaughtered his wife on accident and his son, Ray Allen is now one of the best 
basketball prospects in the world. And it's an interesting story. And one of the Wilder Spike Lee movies and Denzel's performance in it, Ray Allen's performance in it, Rosario Dawson. It's a wild-ass movie. And even though it is sad as well, I think it's one of my favorite Spike Lee movies and I could watch it also anytime. Especially, man, that monologue that Denzel gives to Ray Allen at the end of that movie is still, it haunts me. It haunts in my mind. I sometimes see it in my mind when things don't go right in my life. I don't know. What do you think about He Got Game, Nick? It has a lot of the same problems with other Spike Lee movies, but it's got Denzel, and he's really fucking good. I agree. There's just, at a certain part, I like just stopped it and didn't go back to it for like a week. Yeah. It's kind of Spike Lee's grunge movie, in a way. It's his grunge album, and... It's rough and tumble. It's not the easiest subject matter, but man, everybody's cool in it. Like it's, it's interesting as fuck. It has this weird thing that I know Spike Lee's been doing it before that, but it's the first time I ever really remember him doing this faux documentary thing where he brings in all these real basketball coaches to talk about Ray Allen's uh, not real character. And there's a lot of people actually involved in the basketball world who are brought in. And so it creates this false reality and, it's such an interesting thing, and obviously Denzel sort of runs the show, though. I mean, that movie doesn't work. If Denzel Washington is not awesome in that movie, that movie is trash. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Without Denzel watching that movie, it's just John Turturro <laughs> being super cringe at the end, <laughs> saying that prayer and coming off like he's doing religious blackface. That is true. Although, normally when you get out of prison... I will tell you this. Mila Jovovich is not the first chick who's into you. Usually, usually it's not Mila Jovovich. Normally, we'll put that out there. I think so. I think that's, I think that's pretty fair. Also a fun thing. The soundtrack released on Def Jam actually made more money in its initial release than the box office of He Got Game. I am not surprised. So that's a little something. I actually think it might be on my secretly on my wall, possibly the next year, or excuse me, the same year he starred in Gregory Hobbit's Hoblet. I was forgetting that guy, Gregory Hoblet. If you don't know who he is, he directed Gregory Hoblet's one of those guys who directed some movies that you like, but you never really knew about. He directed primal fear. He directed frequency. He directed hearts war. He directed fracture, but he directed a movie in 1998 that starred Denzel. It's actually, when I first saw it, I found pretty spooky. Has John Goodman, Donald Sutherland, Elias Codius, James Gandolfini. Again, it's a movie called Fallen, in which a Philadelphia police detective who is investigating occult murders that are committed by what appears to be a copycat killer, but may actually be committed by, that's right, a serial killer ghost. Are you scared, Nick? Are you scared? I'm scared you're going to do that impression again. Sorry. sorry. That was on me. (laughs) Any thoughts on Fallen? I did not like this movie. I thought it was stupid. I also thought it was very stupid. So stupid. Like, oh, man. The part where the fucking thing travels from person to person, Uh that looks cool. I like that. That's the spookiest scene. That's the best part. Yeah. When, like, you just see, like, oh, no, it's it's going inside of John Goodman with that sandwich. But it's like... Uh, also, John Goodman gets possessed. Spoilers. <laughs> Through a sandwich. Through a sandwich. Also, it was big spoilers. Just like, like Mama Cass. Anyways, 
No, this movie's dumb. Like, you know, Denzel goes two for one on the good movies, the dumb movies. And this is after like he got game and virtuosity. He had to follow it up with something else that was not good. <laughs> That's true. That's his rule. Yeah. That's his rule. I've made too many good movies in a row. I got to knock something out that no one's going to like. <laughs> I want to knock out something that will be on TNT during the day <laughs> because they have to renegotiate the contracts for supernatural reruns. <laughs> so they got to show Fallen. Honestly, you know what's crazy is that Fallen for me is one of those ones where you said it exactly correct, where it was that, um, I swear it was written based on that one scene where if you're walking down the street and then a ghost jumps into a homeless guy and is talking to you and then you're like, what the fuck? And then you're walking and then a a lady's getting out of a cab and it haunts into her and she says some shit at you and then you're walking and then another guy is haunted and say, there's a spooky scene. It freaked me out. And then, but the rest of the movie is the dumbest yeah. shit. No, they yeah. basically <laughs> right around, right back was from that. <laughs> this exactly. As I was say, this feels like one of those movies where they made a trailer first, and I was like, "Can you do two hours of this?" And they were like, "I guess, sure. Let's throw some money at Denzel. He might do it." Sound <laughs> <laughs> of money being thrown at Denzel Washington. I think sometimes Denzel may have had five scotches when he read the script. I don't know if this is true or not. I've yeah. never actually Googled it, which. Considering the episode, I might have, but um, some jackass radio DJ who used to be in Chicago, still might be, I don't know, he doesn't deserve his name mentioned. Yeah, fuck him. Fucking jag off. His Anyways. Is Dick Cow. It's too obvious. It was uh, <laughs> Man <cow> Douche. <laughs> no, he said that Denzel Washington was on the show, and Denzel Washington said that he hasn't turned down too many roles. He just takes whatever's offered to him. I And like- Looking at this more closely 25 years later, yeah. he might be serious. I get that element of that he might be one of those dudes who just has that work ethic where someone offers you a movie. And I think especially the thing that I think we can infer, particularly if it's someone he's worked with before and he likes. Yeah. And they say, hey, I got this script. He goes, cool, I'll do it. And I think there's a little bit of theater actor in there, a little bit too of got to keep working, man. You know, growing up lower middle class in Mount Vernon, New York, you know, got to keep working, got to keep doing it. And I get it. I get, I appreciate that. But someone should have told, they're like, Denzel, dude, you're Denzel now. You can say no. He figures that out eventually, (laughs) but it took him a while. He's like, oh, what's this? Uh, No. Okay. I'm not going to see this one. I'll wait for the next Denzel movie. Oh, right. Because now I have to make the bone collector. Oh, wait, that's the wait. We're, we're skipping over one. Which he worked with Edward Zwick a third time. Yes, yes. Where they were like, what if we did Fallen, but better? And actually it was. I'm skipping over one, but 1999, he stars in, with baby Angelina Jolie in The Bone Collector, which Zwick did. It made a ton of money at the box office. Oh, this Zwick didn't do this one. Oh, he didn't? I meant The Siege. Oh, The Siege. Oh, yeah. sorry. This no- is Philip uh, Noyce. Philip Noyce. Noyce. We've talked about before, but has made some good stuff. I like The Quiet American. We talked about Dead Calm. He's yeah. an Australian guy. He's made some good stuff. Dead Calm's great. That kind of late 90s sexy thrillers, that was a big Philip Noyce thing. Noyce. Noyce. I, I don't know what else to say it. That's his name. Yeah. He's the one who named himself. Anyway, Marty Bregman produced it. Marty Bregman's a kind of guy maybe we'll get into one day, but Marty Bregman was one of the great legendary producers in new school Hollywood. He produced Scarface, Serpico, Carlito's Way, uh, so just Al Pacino movies. A lot. And then, you know what killed Marty Bregman? Mm. Heart attack? The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Yeesh. <laughs> yeah. ah, ah, I can't pull up the landing. Ah, into the mountain. 
<laughs> Pluto Nash has killed more careers than, <laughs> than shark movies combined. It's, it's Pluto Nash is basically just Eddie Murphy riding in the thing. He's like, there's one ejector seat. Yeah, for real. See you guys later. <laughs> but yes, the bone collector. Any thoughts on the bone collector? I've never seen the whole thing. I, I have to say the bone collector. The bone I'm collector. the bone collector. Yes, hello. I'd like to have some of your bones, please. I've never finished it. I just didn't. I didn't care again. Oh, you didn't? No. <laughs> it's real stupid. It's really dumb. It's about, guess what? A serial killer. Does he collect bones? Of course I collect the bones. You better believe that shit. Anyways, has Michael Rooker in it, and Queen Latifah, and Luis Guzman, and Al Bundy. So Okay, these are all great actors, but yes. like when you say that to me, the last thing I'll think of is serial killer horror film. Yes, exactly. Suspense thriller. It's right. like, come on. I know, I know. It's, it's Luis Guzman like... <laughs> In a disco, <laughs> and Al Bundy shows up. Queen Latifah's there. And Luis Guzman can only be in a true thriller if Steven Soderbergh directed yeah. it. Yeah. And he's with Terrence Stamp. Or Don Cheadle. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's it. That's the only yeah. way it works. Otherwise, it's like, hey, what's Luis Guzman doing? What's he doing here? What's going on? Yes. But we passed over one movie just because I accidentally kind of brought it up a little early. The last of the big... 90s Denzel movies was actually one of his biggest critical hits, a big Oscar bait movie. It is the 1999 uh, where he stars as Ruben the Hurricane Carter, a boxer who was wrongly convicted of murder in Norman Jewison's The Hurricane. Then once again, our boy is back for that. What do you think of the, uh, the Hurricane, Nick? Denzel's amazing. Denzel's amazing. He is amazing. This is, you know, a career highlight film. This is great. Yeah. He's super good in this, and it's great, but the song, The Hurricane by Bob Dylan, which you just did so well. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't fit in the movie at all. Yeah. If it's better in Days of Confusion, it doesn't this. But other than that, this is a great movie. This is like, what, like you said, sometimes biopics work. Denzel can play real people very well. It's true. It's him working with Roger Deakins again. If you haven't seen The Hurricane, I think it's one of those ones where we really should say it's worth a watch. I think it's one of the more kind of forgotten classics. It was such a big hit. It didn't win as many awards as maybe it should have, but it got nominated for like all the awards. Denzel got nominated again. It got nominated for Best Picture. It didn't make that much money, I think, as an element. It only made $80 million against a $50 million budget, but it's a really good movie, and I would like to watch it again. Liv Schreiber's in it. Dan Hedaya. I think it's worth another watch. You had me at Dan Hedaya. I'm saying, baby. It's, like I said, it's the story of one of the more famous wrongly convicted cases in the United States. Bob Dylan brought attention to it with his song years before the movie came out. And uh, I think it's a strong movie and I think it's worth a watch. It was adapted from a really famous book. And yeah, I... I don't know. I think you should check it out, but it's not exactly. I think that's the other element is that it's another bummer movie. <laughs> it's It's got a happier ending, but the overall story is a bit of a bummer, but this is the opposite. The sad stuff is in the middle of the movie of all the terrible things, but then him being vindicated and yeah. finally proving that this guy who didn't do shit and was convicted simply because he was a black guy in America. And 
I appreciate that Denzel's movies, some of his movies have very interesting political edges to them and have a way of going into mainstream Hollywood to bring up social issues so that they're even palatable and understandable to white morons like myself, you know? And I think that's an underrated thing from Denzel and his career as an artist is that he's truly been able to bring political issues to the forefront through his acting and through his performances. And they're not heavy handed necessarily. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's not exactly always super incendiary. It's just interesting movies that it then dawns on you. Oh shit. The AIDS crisis was like fucking crazy. Like the way policing works in the United States, particularly against people of color. It's insanely fucked up and systematic. So anyway, but after that in 2000, Nice segue. Washington appeared in Nick's favorite movie that we talked about. Remember the Titans. Remember them, Caps. Remember them. They were a football team. And he was their coach. And they were grindy. What do you think of Remember the Titans, Nick? You went and saw it in the theater, didn't you? Told you that in confidence. <laughs> um, you know, it's a movie. It's a sports movie. I don't remember much. I was... Did the whole team die in a plane crash? Is that real? What, what yeah. the fuck is this movie about? It's ba- the team, part of the team dies in a plane crash. Oh, yeah. And then they remember them and they win. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Don't they, care. They get grindier. Yeah. I they, just... Their ghosts fill them like fallen, but then to destroy their shitty opponents who weren't as grindy. Football movies are not great. And then when Most you have a Disney football <laughs> movie, it's just like, oh, no. Football movies are so difficult to pull off. You literally have to go full Kathy Ireland as the kicker and comedy mayhem, or you have to go kind of the last boy scout where you're just shooting people in the chest no, no, no. <laughs> and not Oliver Stone. I said the Peterberg Friday night lights is we just tell the goddamn truth, right? That it means a lot of shit to people, but it's also kind of dark that it means so much to people. Yeah that these kids have this opportunity, but it's dark that they only have this opportunity. You show this reality to the whole thing. What's the Vander, uh, James Vanderbeek? Oh. Uh, what was the one he was in? Uh, Varsity Blues. Oh, God. I don't want your life. Yeah. But Allie Larder in a whipped cream-based bikini, I do want that life. That was his line from that movie. I remember it. It was in the trailer. Yeah. So, yeah, remember the Titans. It made a lot of money. That is a big thing, though. We should say, because of Remember the Titans, Denzel is a very marketable actor, and that movie made a lot of money. We should say he won the Golden Globe for Best Actor for The Hurricane, and he was the first black actor to win the award since Sidney Poitier in 1963. It's kind of a cool thing, because then the next year, in 2001, and we'll talk about this, he plays a character that still talked about Detective Alonzo Harris in the Antoine Fuqua Training Day, alongside Ethan Hawke. Snoop Dogg, Dre. Dude. Scott Glenn. In one of the craziest movies. I don't know how Antoine... Tom Berenger. How did Antoine Fuqua pull this out of his ass? It's one For of the- real. That, he has not directed Macy Gray's in this, too. And Eva Mendez. Mm-hmm. And um, Terry Crews. Totally. But Antoine Fuqua has not directed anything half as good as this since then. No. I remember watching it and being blown away. Yeah. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Denzel is amazing in it. Ethan Hawke is good. I mean, everybody's good in it. It's one of the wildest thrillers I've ever seen. Yeah, I still remember seeing this 
in theaters. We went to a different movie the week before that my friend's girlfriend picked, and she sucked, and so did he, actually, to be fair. This is a sexist thing. They're both morons, but... Uh, we've, been there. we've all been there. We've all been there. So we went and saw some other movie, and we were just like standing in line. And we was like, let's just sneak into training day. Fuck yeah. She, she can see it with your cousin. He's like, all right, let's go. And then we didn't see it. We went back the next day and saw training day, and it was fucking amazing. I had an idiot roommate at the time who one of his weird savant things was he was a moron in everything except the guy actually had good taste in movies. And he basically was like, dude. You have to go see Training Day. You have to. And then he, the only time this ever happened, he said, I will go see with you tomorrow and I will pay for it if you come with me. And I was like, what? Am I going to get murdered? Like, and he's like, no, we have to. I have to go see it again. I have to. And I was like, okay. And I went. And then when Denzel hands Ethan Hawke, he's like, smoke this. They're cops, mind you. And he, it's Ethan Hawke's first day. His training day. His training day as a detective on the LA police force with Alonzo Harris. And he says, smoke this. Prove to me that you're a real deal vice detective. And he like hits it. And it's that scene from It's Always in Philadelphia. He's like, that tastes like weed. He's like, that's because it's PCP. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what am I watching? <laughs> because of this movie, when I did accidentally smoke PCP, I didn't worry. <laughs> I would become very worried because I'm pretty sure I'm going to be murdered by Latino gangsters now. <laughs> Well, no, but like, uh, hold on, I'm very high now. All I'm thinking about is PCP. <laughs> As you always talk about it. I know. I hey, pretty- everybody, if you're listening on your Blockbuster Film School bingo card, Nick has mentioned PCP. <laughs> so between that and the edibles wearing off, you've won. Uh, no, Training Day is amazing. Yeah. It's a little over the top, but the characters are so big in this. Yeah. It has to be big. Agreed. It amps up. The ending is dumb, but the rest of the movie is amazing. Also, Tom Berenger. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. And it just never stops building up. No. It keeps, you thought this was the craziest thing you're going to see today? No. No. It's going to get crazier. It's like the first Softy Brothers movie. It really, it, it kind of reminds me of that. I think the Softy Brothers actually probably were very influenced by Training Day because it has that vibe where it is both exciting and terrifying, but also kind of fun and interesting. It's, Denzel is a great baddie. Yeah. He's like the worst guy in the world in this movie, but he looks cool day drinking beers and smoking (laughs) cigarettes and shooting drug dealers in the chest. And then it's just like, oh man. And then he delivers the line of the decade with King Kong and got shit on me. It's just like, wow, he is so fucking dead. He is not going to survive this movie because he said that. (laughs) He is at full hubris. Yeah. He is George Lucas in the middle of directing episode two. Exactly. Attack of the Clones. He doesn't even realize how fucked he is. But yes. And that is when Denzel finally gets his Oscar. He wins Best Actor at the Academy Awards. In the same year that City Portier is given the Lifetime Achievement Award Oscar. Kind of cool. And one of the few times where I ever said to myself, that's awesome. That they, I was not expecting them to give Denzel yeah, no, the, the for Oscar that. for <laughs> Because they don't give Oscars in movies like that. No. If you would have told him, if you would have asked Spike Lee in 1992, if he thought Denzel Washington was going to win for playing either the Hurricane, Malcolm X, or a cop that gets shot in the ass, <laughs> he definitely would not have chosen getting shot in the ass, <laughs> hanging out with Dr. Dre all day. Oh, my God. It's so good. I've watched it many times. It's 
bizarrely insane. It's very fun and also terrifying. So, I mean, it depends on how big a ghoul you are, really. Maybe yeah. you just find it's, it terrifying. It's a great movie. And also yes. it's like the only thing I remember about Macy Gray is that she's in that movie. And yes. I frequently say her line about everybody. It doesn't matter what they're doing. What's the line? Shirk ass, punk ass, drunk ass cop. <laughs> She's got the fucking giant nails. She's smoking the cigarette. Yes. It's great. There's a part in the movie where Ethan Hawke gets so wasted, he takes a nap watching TV. And it's like, this movie's actually making sense. This is very realistic because you can't just keep that level up as a rookie. Right. And just get fucked up, smoke PCP, drink beer all day, like <laughs> stop some criminals along the way, and then not just doze off in the middle of the day. AKA like, stop criminals, AKA murder them. Yeah. <laughs> Judge dread them, <laughs> which as a Hollywood audience, you're like, I mean, I get, get it, but it's not really due process. Yeah. <laughs> you no. just deciding to rob them and murder them. That makes you a bigger criminal. Wait a minute. It's the justice system of America. And marks this turning point with his career in Hollywood, because now people know Denzel has always been the leading man. The interesting actor in biop movies playing complex characters, but now Denzel as the bad guy, as the antagonist, is an across the board hit. And that will definitely come back, particularly in some of his thriller movies. He will work with Antoine Fuqua again, which we will talk about in a movie. In 2002, he made a bunch of movies on John Q. Did you see John Q, Nick? Directed by Nick Cassavetes. I wanted to. Yeah. But then I, it just kept not. Yeah. It's uh, it's sad. It's sad. And uh, it made a lot of money. And then he directed, Washington directed his first movie. It was a well-reviewed movie called Antoine Fisher. Antoine Fisher. Based on a true story. Written by Antoine Fisher. Yeah. Directed by Denzel Washington. Have you seen that? I did. I remember it. It was good. It was a good movie for him to make his directorial debut on. Mm-hmm. I... I've never seen it again. Yeah, me either. What happened to Derek Luke? I just looked this up, actually. Derek Luke's on a bunch of TV shows. Ah, got it. Yeah. Or he was in Captain America, The First Adventure. Got it. Got it. Well, good for him. Because he was also in Pieces of April and Spartan. Yes. I was like, this guy's going to be really good. But then he was also in, like, Biker Boys yeah. with a Z. <laughs> Whenever, listen, if you get a script that ends in a Z, okay, it's good. not directed by David Cronenberg. Yeah. Time to pull the plug. Um, Most of the time, you are not in existence. Yes. He also then really starts getting into big thrillers, oftentimes where he plays not either the antagonist or somebody who's more of a conflicted protagonist. There's a movie called Out of Time, where he teams back up with Carl Franklin, who we didn't mention it, but he was in a movie called Devil in a Blue Dress. He worked together with him. It's got Eva Mendes in it. I remember it as being a kind of interesting neo-noir. Thought I'd mention it. I remember renting it from Blockbuster and liking it. I don't know how well it stands up now. Have you ever seen Out of Time? I wanted to watch it. <laughs> this is the period of time where I worked at Blockbuster. Yes. So I saw every. <laughs> also me too. This is yeah. where I was. <laughs> like there were so many Denzel Washington movies mm-hmm. either on the wall or being moved to the favorites. Truly. So it's just like between this and like Manchurian Candidate. Yes. Man on Fire. Man on Fire. Manchurian Candidate. Like there was always a Denzel Washington movie around at the store. This is absolutely the era of Denzel being the boss as the face at Blockbuster. Yeah. 
Like, because like when I started, John Q was moved to the favorites, and then Out of Time was on the wall, like had its own thing. And then the next week, you knew the movie wasn't doing well because it went from like having its own sleeve of the wall yeah. to half. <laughs> and then within a couple of weeks, there was one copy Just left on the wall. <laughs> always, that was always yeah. how it worked. Training Day was always out though. Yes. No, people like Training Day a lot. Yeah. And I like that Manchurian Candidate. I liked he teamed back up with Jonathan Demi. Yeah. And I like the original Manchurian Candidate, but I like that one too. I never watched that one either. I when I got fired from Blockbuster, spoiler, I had <laughs> a copy of that. Stop eating the nerds rope. <laughs> I wish it was that. Um <laughs> it was uh I had a copy of that and iRobots. They never mm, returned. Don't worry. I would say Manchurian Candidate was the better choice to watch. Yeah. Okay. R.I.P. Alex Price's career. I want to see that one man on fire though. Yes. Kind of love that movie and I know how bad it is. Yes. But there's a scene where Denzel Washington, two time Academy Award winner, Denzel Washington, <laughs> sign like five time nominated. Five times nominated, <laughs> ties a crooked cop up to the axle of his car while he's in his underwear and shoves C4 in his ass. <laughs> And then asks some questions about a kidnapping and he doesn't give him the answers he wants. So he gives him a cigarette and he goes, he's like, do I get a last wish? And Denzel Washington goes, I wish you had more time. And then walks away from a guy's asshole exploding and then blowing up a car. And he does it in slow motion. It's the trailer. And you just see like the whole car go up. But I want to see the original effect where it's, asshole and then a car blowing up backwards and Denzel Washington <laughs> looking cool while sphincter is flying through the air in slow motion. Also man on fire directed by Tony Scott. Of course. So Tony Scott was like, yeah, that's right. He, uh, he's got a C4 in his ass. Yeah. It explodes. It blows up his ass. Yeah. And you, it's a timer. And you say, I wish you had more time. And you walk away and his asshole blows up. It's a pun. Do you get it? Christopher Walken is in this movie. Mickey works in this movie. Oh, man. Other, she was in High Art. She wasn't Ali Sheedy. She was the blonde one. Rhonda Mitchell. Yes. She's in this. Everyone's good in this. Mark Anthony. L- L- Mark Anthony. Little, also underrated one, Mark Anthony. More and more yeah. as I go through my life of watching old Mark Anthony movies. He's good. He's a big knight. <laughs> he really is. Uh, and one of the fannings in this, and she plays little person. Yeah. It's really sad when. Um, Dakota Fanning. Yeah. Dakota Fanning. Oh, man. Also, your description of, I don't know why I like this movie, but I kind of do because it's insane, is the perfect descriptor for Tony Scott movies in general. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I don't know why I like Top Gun. This movie's real stupid, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> but I get to watch Anthony Edwards imply that the word goze is written on a plaque in a room, and it's just like, yeah, that's hilarious. Good for you. Because there's two O's and Goose. Wait, why would you let the guys who are the trainees in the Top Gun program fight the Russians? Because it's the third act, and I'm high yeah. on cocaine. There's no other pilots around. They're all in some <laughs> no other pilots in the singing US- different Kenny Loggins songs. <laughs> so those are the kind of movies that are happening for him in the mid-2000s. He goes back when Spike Lee decides to do a little bit of pivot and make himself some money, and him and Denzel team back up to make Inside Man. Which, what do you think of Inside Man, Nick? Uh, It's the classic Denzel Washington movie where you have a great actor up against another great actor with, surprise, Jodie Foster (laughs) doing something cool for the first time in like a decade. (laughs) And like, everybody's really good in this. You got the weird guys from the second season of The Wire. And 
you don't give a shit about anything happening unless it's Denzel Washington talking to Clive Owen, and it happens like six times. That's true. Also, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, very underused in this. I forgot yeah. he was in the goddamn movie. True. True. I remember it's twisty. It's so yeah. twisty. I wonder who the inside man is. I bet you it's Tips. Super producer Brian Tips, secretly the inside man. If this movie was directed by M. Night Shyamalan, <laughs> nobody would have gave a fuck. <laughs> and true. also, it the inside also. man would have been a ghost on the outside the whole that time. That is true. That is true. I have seen Inside Man like three times. I keep trying to figure out what is going on and do I like it? My answer still is I don't know. So, 2007, he teams back up with Russell Crowe, this time working with the other Scott brother. Thank God. Because also, real fast. Yeah. What do you got? We don't need to talk about it. In 2006, he made another Tony Scott movie called Deja Vu. Oh, yes. Where he go back in time, like 10 seconds at a time. And he has deja vu, bro. Yeah. Val Kilmer's in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's about... De- and Jodie Foster, right? In deja name? vu? Yeah. I didn't say it. Oh, maybe not. Maybe I hallucinated that. How often do you hallucinate Jodie Foster in, in the movies? movies? In? Yeah. Whenever I just talk about Inside Man. Okay. <laughs> and then get confused whether she's in deja vu or not. <laughs> it's produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, so that you is, know it's yeah. good. Ugh. I'm glad he got to work with the proper Scott. <laughs> yes. American Gangster. American Gangster, which it's based on Frank Lucas, who's a real dude and who was a heroin smuggler. And it's a wild ass movie. And I genuinely really like Super Producer Brian Tepps giving the thumbs up. What do you think about American Gangster? American Gangster is so good that I bought a copy of it, put it on to make my mother watch, who has. ADD so bad, she looks like Robin Williams on cocaine. <laughs> she had five minutes of cocaine, and then just the rest of the movie, she just sat there. I mean, it's... It's, it's a, a great movie. It's a really good movie. And it's, I, the director's cut's even longer than the original cut, but it's actually, I like a lot. It's such a well-made movie. Yeah. The characters are all very three-dimensional. Ted Levine, our boy, is now Josh Brolin, Tweedy Ejivor. I never know how to pronounce his name, even though I love him. Norman Who also was in Inside Man. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's a wild-ass movie, and it is always crazy when you find out that Russell Crowe, again, you're like, oh, Russell Crowe's a really good actor. He can act. <laughs> this, this entire movie is just like, oh, Russell Crowe can act. Oh, Cuba Gooding Jr. can sort of act. And oh, the RZA is acting like he isn't the RZA, so that's kind of acting. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about, Bill Murray? All right, so... Also, Denzel did in this in 30 minutes, but nobody in The Wire could do it in three seasons. Yes. And that was just shoot Stringer Bell in the street. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. That's true. That's because Stringer Bell was much more three-dimensional character than his yeah. character. But American Gangster, I remember watching it, and I, I do remember thinking to myself, that really Scott, he he directs movies. He's good. He's good at them. He's good at them. Okay. Also, though, real fast. Yeah, what else you This got? movie, no, back in um, American Gangster, not only is this movie good, it provides you everyday practicality solutions. Mm. Because of this movie, I know when you get a stain in something, you don't rub it in, motherfucker. You dab it. Yes, that you is true. It. That is absolutely true. I, the entire way I was able to reuse clothes over and over and be a deadbeat is because of American Gangster. True. If it's on a white shirt, immediately just take a little bleach, hit it, 
It's gone. It's great. It's a little tip for American Gangster. Okay. So he makes the great debaters with Forrest Whitaker. You ever see that? I've never heard of this. Yeah. It was directed by Denzel Washington. Oh. Got good uh, critical reviews. I've never seen it. And uh, so they just debate the whole movie? I am unclear. It's based on an article written about the Wiley College debates from spring of 1997. It was produced by Oprah Winfrey and Todd Black. It was, yeah. So there's a, there's a person in this movie. Forrest Whitaker is in this movie and Denzel Washington in this movie. Mm-hmm. And there's a person in this whose name is Denzel Whitaker and he's not related to either of them. <laughs> this movie's not real. Is he a clone? Is This is so weird. <laughs> it's the ending of Gemini Man. Yeah. <laughs> Which, honestly, the end of Gemini Man, I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember that Ewan McGregor's girlfriend has a boat or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. After that, he was in Tony Scott's Remake of The Taking of Pelham 123 with famous Scientologist as the bad guy. Giovanni Ribisi. <laughs> no, the Vinny Barbarino. John Turturro, Luis Guzman, James Gandolfini. <laughs> he loves James Gandolfini. He does. They must have been friends. It doesn't make any other sense. And, of course, John Travolta. It's real stupid. I don't know what my dumpster pick's going to be, <laughs> but I know it's going to be a Tony Scott film. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. The original taking of Pelham 123. With Walter Matthau. Is so good. Yeah. It's still so well-made and wild. And the fact that they remade it into this. I know. It just, this movie is so stupid. It makes me wish I was watching Money Train. John Travolta ostensibly plays Kenny Powers from Eastbound and Down. But if he shaved his head and that's it. Yeah. (laughs) And then you're, I was supposed to take him seriously during this? Okay. Surprisingly, after <laughs> that movie, he kind of takes a little break from movie acting. He goes back to the theater. He's doing a bunch of stuff, but particularly August Wilson's Fences in 2010, in which he won a Tony Award for Best Actor. So, he's on the list. He doesn't have a Grammy. I don't think he has an Emmy yet, but he does have a Tony. And he does have an Oscar. So, he did a lot of really awesome things on... Th- in theater, I didn't see them. He was also in uh, Lorraine Hansberry's A Raisin in the Sun in 2014. It won the Tony Award for Best Revival. He was in Hickey Hickman's Eugene O'Neill's The Iceman Cometh, which also won the Best Revival in 2018. So he's been doing a lot of that kind of stuff. I just thought I should reference it. But in the 2010s, he really went back to theater a lot, won a lot of awards and has been very prolific. But in 2010, Washington starred in a movie, Super Producer Brian Tapps hasn't watched yet. It is a movie directed by the Hughes brothers. I don't know who they are. It's called The Book of Eli, in which the Bible must survive. Or it'll be stolen by Mila Kunis or Ray Stevens. I forget how it works exactly because I saw it one and a half times and... I was like, what the fuck is this the entire time? I never saw the whole thing. It's like The Postman if it was worse. That's what I'm going to say about that. You know who produced that movie? You can go back to his episode here on Buffs Film School. His name's Joel Silver. Of course. It's like, the, it's like Mad Max, but he's like religious and he's black. All right, here we go. So, yeah. Gary Oldman's in it. Guess he needed money. Michael Gambon. That's when he You're was too on. good for this, Michael Gambon. Sorry. Gary Oldman's in that after he was blacklisted 
One, the first for a moment. The first of two times, yeah. Right, and then and then they were like, "Well, oh, but you're also very good at acting." Yeah. He was like, "I'm sorry, I made fun of your religion. I was drunk." <laughs> well, as long as you apologize through drunkenness, you will be forgiven in Hollywood. Then he made Unstoppable. 2010. Who directed that? Guess what? That marked the fifth time that he worked with Tony Scott, RIP. It will be the last time because Tony Scott was killed by Scientologists or he committed suicide. We're not sure. In 2012, Washington starred in a movie I really like. He finally worked with Mr. Robert Zemeckis in one of Robert Zemeckis' craziest, craziest test movies. And I can also one, if it comes on TV, I start watching it and I, I watch it all the way through. 2012, him and Robert Zemeckis made a movie called Flight, in which Whip Whitaker, an alcoholic airline pilot who miraculously crash lands his plane after a mechanical failure, saving nearly everyone on board. But immediately after the crash, he is hailed as a hero, but then the investigation finds out that he is a complete degenerate. But then he has to save some other people. It's one of the craziest movies I've ever seen. I love Flight. I don't know. What do you think of Flight, Nick? It's dumb as hell. It's dumb as hell. But somehow amazing. I don't know. What saves it is his collaboration once again with the guy who got possessed by a sandwich ghost, John Goodman. (laughs) That's right. I mean, essentially the point of this film is you can overcome your alcoholism Mm -hmm. with just massive cocaine use. (laughs) I don't know what the point of the story was other than pilots should be able to drink. And if you need to go to AA... Just do cocaine. I think that, and also, I love Zemeckis. I know his movies are bonkers, but he has this way of making you like his characters because they're always super flawed, even if they're Marty McFly or Tom Hanks in Castaway, or they're flawed characters, but you begin to love them because of their flaws because they have to overcome these flaws in order to finish out some sort of Herculean task. And this lives up to that as well. And just as a (laughs) insecure maniac teenager has to get back to his own time or a guy who doesn't even realize how good his life is, has to try and escape from a fucking Island just to get back to watch a dentist, fuck his wife. It's that crazy of a movie. And you worked with Tony Scott five times. I would like Denzel and Robert Zemeckis to work together a lot because I thought they worked perfectly together. I've liked Whip Whitaker a lot. And Denzel was getting this. I'm not a big Robert Zemeckis fan. I know you're not. I know. I I don't know. I don't get Just, it. But he's cheesy. He makes cheesy movies. I don't think they're cheesy. I think they're crazy and they're bonkers. But there are movies that are cheesy, like that are that don't even understand how ridiculous they are. But I suppose that's a difference between us. And that's just going to how, how it's going to have to be. But yeah, I'm fine with it. <laughs> you will like Robert Smex or I will fight you. Brian Tepps just cut back after me and Nick had a night fight. Okay. So I still don't like Zemeckis. Then he made a movie with Ryan Reynolds called Safe House. You ever see that? Nope. Nope. He started two guns alongside Mark Wahlberg. You see that? No. No. Mark Wahlberg famously hates Vietnamese people. Yeah. So I mostly don't watch his movies. Yeah, that's true. Also, it was directed by someone named Baltazar Kormaku. That's a good fake name. 
and uh, I know he's from Iceland. <laughs> See, looks I like this. Never... <laughs> I know this is a podcast, so look it up. Please. Look it up. Pause look, it. up look up Baltasar Karmaku, or he directed Two Guns, everyone's favorite movie. He worked with Antoine Fuqua again in The Equalizer. He worked with him three times in four years. Equalizer two, Electric and Boogaloo. the Magnificence. The Magnificent Seven remake, because you know what everybody Ugh. said? You don't need another remake. A remake of Seven Samurai. Man, I love the original Magnificent Seven. I love the Seven Samurai. Although there are a couple of times where there's some decent performances, I would say particularly by Vincent D'Onofrio, I was very sad that that movie was so lame. There were a lot of people in that movie, and that movie sucked. So... Yeah, it's like the action version of Much Ado About Nothing. Yes. This is bringing us close. This is bringing us close. He was in a film version in 2016 of the play he was in, Fences, co-starring Viola Davis. I haven't seen that. It got nominated for a Golden Globe and an Academy Award for his performance in that. It's basically a story about Pittsburgh as Pittsburgh falls apart in the 1950s and race relations in Pittsburgh. I haven't seen it yet. I think that's the one of all the ones of Denzel Washington movies. I still should see Fences, and I think we all should. I haven't seen it yet, but have you seen it, Nick? We should all see Fences. We should all see Fences. I haven't seen most of these movies. After Seven Samurai, I was like, what? Yeah. What? I mean, I'm not going to watch Equalizer 2. The best scene in that movie is on YouTube, which was also a Starz ad. So it's like, I'm going to see Fences. Yeah. But I mean... Definitely not going to watch the movie he has out on HBO Max right now where he's trying to catch Jared Leto with Malik. What's his name? Not Freddie Mercury. Oh, yeah. uh, Rami, Rami Malik. Rami Malik, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, did you get it? That he was Freddie Mercury. Did you, oh, he, oh, he had pensive glances at men. Oh, oh. That movie is a bunch of lamest shit I've ever seen. Anyway. A lifetime movie. It, oh, my God. He received, I think this is the last one we're going to mention here before we go to our dumpster and wall for one of the greatest actors in the history of Hollywood. However, in 2017, he received his sixth Best Actor nomination at the Oscars and his ninth overall nomination at the Oscars for the legal drama Roman J. Israel Esquire, who follows idealistic defense lawyer who finds himself in a tumultuous series of events that lead to a personal crisis and necessity for extreme action, directed by Dan Gilroy, produced by Todd Black. Again, Dan Gilroy wrote and directed Nightcrawler. Have you seen Roman J. Israel Esquire? I've not seen any of you. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. (laughs) It's a Dan Gilroy movie. And him doing a, a legal drama is maniacally fun. It really is. It's in the same way he did Nightcrawler about news reporting. Oh shit. All right. This is a movie about lawyers that is like that and about how dangerous and demented, but also sometimes that like, if you get this weird bug up your ass to do something good, you might have to take on all these other lawyers who rely on you to be a scumbag. It's so, I found it very fun. Like I, like, I like his movies a lot. I liked yes. uh, Nightcrawler and, um, was it, Buzzsaw? Oh, Velvet Buzzsaw? Velvet Buzzsaw was great. Uh, same. It's like that. It's like Nightcrawler is to reporting, Buzzsaw is to the art scene. 
This is the legal stuff. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm in. Absolutely. I'll watch that and Fences, and uh, I'm going to wait for his uh, Othello to come out that's going to be with Joel Cohen. Yeah. This is a, such a weird thing. He never works with the Cohen brothers. The movie is coming out this year is the first time they don't direct a movie together. Yes. Very interesting. I hope that it's not because of that three billboards of Missouri and how bad it was. But also something you brought up before we go to the picks, I think something that I realized as we were going over this was that even when Denzel has failures, the fact that he's so loyal to all of these other filmmakers that he always gives people another shot. He always works with them again. If he likes working with Antoine Fuqua, Tony Scott, Todd Black, the fact that he's constantly working with people and sticking with them, even in dark times, he is such a Hollywood made man that even when he has failures at the box office or critically, the other people are willing to give him a shot because of his loyalty yeah. because of his, and cause he's Denzel. He's Denzel. Tony Scott would not have had a career without him. No, because like he, he made Man on Fire yeah. and he followed up with Domino. Yeah. He's like, well, what do I got to do to make a movie again? I got to get Denzel seven more times. That's so true, though. That's so like when Tony Scott was down and out, even Ridley Scott a little bit, they asked Denzel. And if you don't know, if you don't have an A-list movie star to sign on to your movie, your movie doesn't get made by the studios. And the fact that Denzel... Did not go, I don't know, man, after the last one. Yeah. I don't know. You're down and out. He didn't do that. He said, yeah, yeah, I'll stick with you. And I think those elements of loyalty have made him kind of bulletproof a little bit from him himself having failures, which is in a way kind of genius, really, as an actor. So just remember to stick with your friends, I think, even if they're down and out. Oh, this is my last episode. Yeah, all right, that's right. But, but that's because you just smoke PCP and I'm your detective partner who's going to get you killed by the uh, El Salvadorian this, mob. You just tasted funny. <laughs> all right, so it's time. What do you think you want to do? Let's do one for the dumpster. Yeah. I think there's definitely a dumpster pick in here. Um, I got mine. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School Dumpster. Does her sound? All right, Nick. What's your dumpster pick? Um, I've never done this before. I'm choosing at random. <gasps> I'm gonna go with. There's a bunch. You know what? Fuck it. I'll go with Deja Vu because no matter what, <laughs> it was going to be a Tony Scott film. Yes, yes. It, it could have. Mine is too. It could have been this one. It could have <laughs> been that one. But I saw Deja Vu first, so <sighs> fuck. Yeah. There we go. That's that. Did the Scientologists kill Tony Scott and make it look like a suicide because he wouldn't sign on to make Top Gun 2 Maverick or because he made the taking of (laughs) 1, 2, 3, in which John Travolta appears to be Krang from the Ninja Turtles? I wish. (laughs) And is the stupidest movie I've seen in a long time. I know there are stupid movies, but it's real stupid. Yeah. It has Denzel in it, and it's still that stupid. That's how loyal Denzel is to his friends. He read that script, saw... Let's, let's, let's bring it down. 
somebody told him about the script and then he just showed up. <laughs> he knew but there. He, he was on set. He saw what Travolta was dressed like. Yeah. Saw what Travolta was doing. Did not immediately call his agent. Was like, get me out of this. No, he called. You- <laughs> he called catering and said, make sure the ice is full. I brought my own bottle for today. Yes. I'm Next gonna- week, it's all on you guys. I got. I got to do it. I got it. I got. I got. No, 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 no. I don't do makers anymore. It's all benchmark. It's the runoff. You're slurring. It's easier for lunch. I'm not slurring. You're slurring. I'm not slurring. You're not clear. All right. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School. We're going to do three picks here. He's consistently good. He's going to always get the nods. He's going to win the Oscars. Yeah. I'm not going for best Denzel or even the best Denzel movie. Mm. I'm going on how many times can I rewatch this? How many Denzels can I watch until I'm blind? That is fair. That is fair. Because this list is not going to be accurate of Denzel Washington. Correct. It's going to be a... Audio description of how much weed I used to smoke. That is fair. It's also your picks. Yes. It's your picks. It's purely subjective. It's yours. It's your time. Down here. Down here, it's your time. All right. So what is your third pick on the Blockbuster Film School? It's just as dumb. (laughs) I'm going to go with Man on Fire. Yeah. I was just supposed to say Ricochet, but Man on Fire has... To quote Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, emotionality to it. Yes, it, it does. does. And uh, also, more than anything, it helped me with my panic attacks because there's a huh. thing in there where Denzel Washington, right before he kills people, goes, boop, 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 boop. just like this oh. weird breathing way of taking this deep breath and just exhaling. So uh, I used to do that on my way uh, into job interviews. Oh, it's like Lamaze. Yes. I didn't get any of those jobs. <laughs> but... I was less nervous than if I had not done it. That is fair. Always remember to breathe. Yeah. That is a very good point. People forget in our insane world that yeah. really a lot of your panic comes from the fact that your body has stopped intaking exactly. breath. In through the anus, out through the mouth. That's right. Breathe in. Breathe deep. Also, it's the only Denzel Washington movie I can think of where they team his name up with some side of animal. <laughs> so it's like he's Creasy Bear. Yes. He's going to stick a bomb in somebody's asshole yes. and blow them up. And he's also going to cut off a dude's fingers while they're taped to a steering wheel. And then he's just going to push the car over the edge and let it blow up. Tony Scott's love of torturing and blowing people up. But the fact that it is like so cartoonish. Yeah. It's as if the Wiley e. Coyote finally caught the Roadrunner and then was like, yeah, now I'm going to put dynamite up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> like what? I guess has so many ideas. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess I'm going to clone you and kill all of them. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but that's why I did this preface because I chose a random Tony Scott movie yes. for the dumpster and then immediately followed up with the one I do like. That so is, that's fair. That is it's fair. not Philadelphia or Malcolm X. This list sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to put a Tony Scott one on mine though. I, I, I like some of them, particularly I think man on fire is my favorite of him and Tony Scott, but my number three is him and Spike Lee. The underrated one though, for me, he got game. 
I like Jake Shuttlesworth. I find him infinitely fascinating and I find that movie very moving and interesting and of a time period of the late nineties. And I recommend it. I recommend it. If you've never seen he got game, I dare you to watch it and not be sucked into it and moved by it. And the movie is over and you say to yourself, shit, what the, what the shit did I just watch? And that monologue, that last monologue that he gives is well-written and well-performed and I love it. I love it. All right, Nick, what is your number two? Number two is American Gangster. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's all bullshit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, Ridley Scott is a science fiction director who every once in a while makes something really cool or really weird. And between that, he goes, hey, this movie is true because they have the same names as these people who are alive. And this is one of those movies. Like, if you make a movie where I don't fucking hate Russell Crowe through the whole thing, (laughs) you've made one of the best films of my life. That's why we like Shane Black so much. Exactly. <laughs> it's the nice guys. It's this. Gladiator. Gladiator. Uh, I don't really care about that movie. Yeah, yeah, but it's like <laughs> 10 minutes of virtuosity because you realize he's wearing David Burns giant suit, but it's blue. Our Russell Crowe episode will be fun. Him in LA Confidential as well. Yes. I I love the twist on that. Yeah. You immediately think he's the bad guy because of his behavior. And then slowly you realize he's the good guy. Like yeah. it's, yeah, it's what he wishes people thought about him in real life, but it's the opposite. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Denzel Washington is, he's the baddest gangster ever. He really he's is. so dope. It's also, it's like, shit, I wish I had any money. I would put Denzel also truly on that list of like, I don't think I would ever really want to fuck with Denzel himself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think Denzel might actually punch you in the face. Like, and I think he might actually be tough. You know what I'm saying? I don't think he's going to punch anybody. No. I think he's just going to take somebody by like the lower jaw and just shove them. Yes. And then you're going to be like, Denzel Washington, push me to the floor in the Wendy's. (laughs) I am, what am I doing with my life? Like when Denzel hits you, you ask you, you ask yourself, how can I change? (laughs) What have I done? What is this? I agree with that one entirely. My number two pick of all the great sad Denzel movies that are really amazingly good, but are extremely sad. I'm going to pick the one that I said, and I agree with it entirely. And it's still the first one. So maybe it's my own nostalgia. And it's only really in my mind, truly sad at the end, but it is the first time he won best supporting actor. It is glory. And it's such a great performance. And the whole movie is good. All the characters are interesting. The whole thing is such a wild ensemble and period piece. It still stands up. It still has a lot to say about our society, about how the relations between people of different races and creeds and ethnicities in our country. And sometimes it works, but there's always going to be jerk bags trying to shove everybody down. It's, Man, it's such a good movie. If you've never seen Glory, they made Nick watch it as a child in school, and and that's that's important. I've seen it again. They forced him. <laughs> they held his eyes open. Look, <laughs> if anybody if anybody was the kid who was like, oh, let's watch a movie, it was definitely me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wish they would have shown me Glory in school. My teachers were all potheads. I, my teachers were also clearly hungover, but they would just like put on, I mean, I'm not against it, but just like an episode of Bill Nye. They're like, here, Bill Nye, Bill Nye's on. Be quiet, shut up. My Spanish teacher once put on, because it was leading up to Christmas break, 
We watched for three days in a row the Nightmare Before Christmas and not even in Spanish. <laughs> we went, my French class, we watched that uh, Kevin Klein movie, French Kiss. Also not in French. Not really. I mean, there's a yeah. little bit. There's a little bit, but it's just like, <laughs> it's mostly just like, wow, him and Meg Ryan are charming together. <laughs> it really was. And he pronounced his name, Luke. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah, very clever. Okay, what is your number one there, gangster? I didn't think I'd say it. Uh-oh. It's Ricochet. <laughs> no, no, it's... it's <laughs> When John Lefkow kills the governor... It's the Pelican Breed. <laughs> Virtuosity. <laughs> I wish I had a pick that was classier, but it's training day. Man, it's great. It's great. I, I left it for it's, you. I, I was hoping you would pick it because it's amazing. If he had only made that yeah, and like Virtuosity and all those terrible Tony Scott movies and the Pelican Brief, people would be like, isn't it weird? He's only in one oh, movie. <laughs> they wouldn't remember anything else. Right. When you build an entire career yeah. out of being the coolest guy mm. ever then you get to do training day and all these other shitty movies. But then you're like, Oh yeah, guess what? I'm going to get nominated for an Oscar three more times. And you know, eventually I'll win another one. He'll probably, he's probably going to win with the Coen brothers. Yeah. Oh, Denzel will probably win more Oscars. Oh yeah. This is probably a mid career. I hope it's a mid career thing for Denzel. I really do. This is like him sliding into popcorn movies. Mm -hmm. This is Denzel sliding into being the old guy. Yeah. Because like, He's playing the old guy action guy in the Equalizer movies and Magnificent Seven, and then he's like he's got fences, but then he still makes another movie where he just like beats somebody's face in with a hammer or something. I don't fucking know. Yeah, exactly. Movies. But now he's like sliding into I'm the older, cool, still handsome, good looking black guy. I'm gonna make a fellow. I'm gonna win an Oscar, and then I'm gonna make whatever I want the rest of my life and not care about box office returns because he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to anymore. And that's also something cool about really great actors like him and Hanks. It's interesting of like the comparison that they now can just make what they like. They can work with the people they like. They don't have to worry really about money or anything. They can just make things they like him working with Gilroy. He just wanted to work with him. Like he just liked his movies and was like, I want to work with you. So I agree. And also Training day, man. Alonzo Harris, like a true King Kong ain't got shit on me. I mean, it's, yeah. it's classic. It's one of the classic bad guys. Like it's, it may, maybe be the movie that people remember the most. Probably. Of Denzel. I mean, it's up there. It's. Yeah. You got a dick, right? You decided <laughs> that dick and you got pockets. Reach in there, take out some money, pay the bill. <laughs> also though. Kind of the opposite side of the anti-hero, my favorite, my top pick, I love flight. I love Whip Whitaker. I love stories. Maybe it's my own personal degenerateness, but stories about people whose society has decided because of their behavior or habits or things, their vices, that they are somehow bad. They don't fit. They're not exactly who they should be or what they should be. But when push comes to shove... Sometimes these are the people you need because society has certain gaps that require certain types of people with certain types of balls and certain types of bravery and damage. And it's an interesting take in my mind. It's weird that the Denzel Washington episode is our most pro-alcoholism 
podcast episode ever. I mean, dude, there's some interesting interviews with Denzel where he talks about like. This is our most pro cocaine episode since Joe Silver. <laughs> Probably. Denzel's openly talked about how like he likes to have himself a couple drinks. Yeah, like, of course. And whatever. Like if you got to beep with it, I don't care. I don't. The care. entire third season of St. Elsewhere? Blackout drunk. <laughs> Doesn't remember it at all. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think that's it for us. I think that's Blockbuster Film School this week, team. I think we did it. One of the great actors of all time. Go back and watch a bunch of these. Whichever Denzel popped in your mind. These are our Blockbuster Film School wall. These are our recommendations. But if there was one you said to yourself, hey, I think I need to watch this. You should go back because Denzel is worth it. He really is. But Hmm. if one of those movies you said you're going to go back to was a Tony Scott movie and it wasn't Man on Fire. Yeah. You're going to get pushed down in an Arby's (laughs) by your face by Denzel Washington. If you don't pick a better movie. I will also say, if you turn on The Bone Collector, you will laugh a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of laughing that happens during The Bone Collector, if you're self-aware enough to understand. Isn't he, play, isn't he like, paralyzed from the waist down or something? <laughs> he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. And then, like, there's, oh, my God. I, and I'm not making fun. I'm not making, there isn't making fun, but it's like, that. that's part of it. They're going to take your bones, man, in the wheelchair. Yeah. You know, like, what are we talking about? What's the dumbest way to remake Rear Window? (laughs) Literally. Literally. Oh, it's so insane. And I think that's something I love about Denzel is that some of his movies are the greatest movies ever made in the history of man. And some of them are the Pelican Brief. You know, he's just having fun doing what he do. (laughs) I just do my thing, man. I just do the... Don't ask me. I'm just going to do it. (laughs) Well, on that note, I had a great time. I hope you did too. Please follow us on Instagram, particularly. That's where DJ Nick, aka Nicholas Souter, the headmaster here at the Blockbuster Film School, is running the show. Hit us up, say hello. Uh, we have a Patreon if you want to throw us a couple of bucks, but uh, like and subscribe, as well as if you want to write a review on the Apple or the Spotify, it really does help. We really appreciate it. If you're still listening, Super Producer Brian Tepps. Does an amazing job. So if you want to help us get a microphone, if you want to hear him chime in, that's that's what we're building towards. Uh, I'm Alex Bonner, Nicholas Sauter, and of course, Brian Taps. We love you guys. We are the Blockbuster Film School. We will see you next week with another patented episode here. Remember to drive your car real fast, do drugs, do whatever you like. Who gives a shit? We'll see you guys next week. Denzel gives a shit. Denzel does. <laughs>